I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad we're here again together this morning. God is good, amen? Amen. I want to share a little story with you. I see people are still making their way. Um, The Lord brought me back to San Francisco after I was rebaptized in 2009 with my sister. And uh, he kept me away from San Francisco for about three years. You see, I had uh, become a political activist for the LGBTQ community uh, for nearly 20 years in San Francisco. And I was living my life out loud and proud. Um, And after I had adopted my daughter, my ex-partner, who gave birth to our daughter at our home, a law had passed, the AB 25 law, which afforded same-sex couples to adopt each other's children as their own. And so under that particular law, apparently it was reported that I was the first to have filed for adoption under that law in the state of California. And so NBC News got wind of that in the newspapers, and I was all over the place. And... Um, And as I had shared with you, the conviction that the Lord brought upon my heart when I started to search for God, um, and I had no, at first, I had no intention of changing anything about who I was and who I thought I was born to be. And um, so the Lord worked it out in a way that after I was rebaptized, along with my sister in 2009, um, he, he, he moved very swiftly. Um, we signed up for a rise cross training, and that's where we met JR and many other brothers and sisters who are here today. Holly Jenkins is here as well. Um, and, uh, after that, uh, he had me move away from San Francisco. You see, sometimes I, I, I realized that the gravity of sin um, is, will equate sometimes to how God will extract us from that environment. And so for three and a half years, I was away from San Francisco, Bible working, volunteering, um, and away from the LGBTQ community specifically for almost three and a half years. And just this year, earlier this year, the Lord made a way and called me back. And I suddenly recalled the story of Moses, where God told Moses, go back and get my people. And it was a very humbling experience to think that God wanted me to go back to San Francisco to get his people and reconnect with friends that I love so dearly and I pray would be in heaven with me and all of us that on that glorious day. But I was also praying for, to God for a job that will afford me time to take off 
and not worry about my finances or my rent or, and looking for a place. Well, it so happened that from certain circumstances, which I will share with you tomorrow, that my best friend, and um, who's been my best friend for almost 20 years, um, and her partner as well, uh, asked me to live with her mom um, in San Francisco and to be a companion and to assist her mom with day-to-day stuff, reminding her for her medicine and when to eat on time. And I said, I would love to help you guys out. And she goes, well, um, you know, because mother knows you already, I think it will be a really good situation for her and um, we'll just charge you real cheap rent. So I said, oh, okay. And I'm thinking, Lord, let it be like just maybe $500 a month. And, um, and she, get, she says something and she goes, yeah, I, we're thinking of just asking if you could pay $200 a month. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's doable. <laughs> and, and then she said, then she said, uh, um, do you, would you mind paying maybe just contributing like 50, 40, 50 bucks a month towards the gas and electric? And at first I joked around with her. I said, I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> no, no, of course, of course, that's fine. Um, so God works in mysterious ways. Because I was asking God, God, I, I, I feel this pull towards San Francisco. Are you, are you calling me back here? Can you make it clear for me? Um, And plus, you know what? Being in San Francisco will make me closer to my daughter, Um, maybe about 10 minutes away versus two and a half hours away. And um, my daughter is 13 now. Her, Her mother and I, her birth mother and I, we split up actually when she was only 10 months old. And, um, and the Lord has been leading and guiding and repairing our co-parenting relationship as well. Um, at the time I was re-baptized with my sister, my ex-partner legally married another woman. And so this is where my daughter resides. She has her birth mother, her stepmother, and... Um, her brother, who's four years old. Um, Because my ex-partner and her wife um, also artificially inseminated with another sperm donor and got pregnant. The same mother got pregnant. And the Lord led at one point that I had to surrender my daughter. Not necessarily to them, but to him. I caught this little girl with her eyes wide open. And I'll never forget that day. And I've always been there for her. And she calls me mama. I have her now. Currently at this time, I get her one weekend a month and one month in the summer. And I recall uh, one time 
Um, I think I'm kind of diverting here because I told you I was going to, I was going to, I got a job. So I'll get to that in a minute. Um, shortly after my rebaptism, I was with my daughter. At that time, when I got rebaptized, when she was seven, God's number. So I knew God was at work. My daughter, seven years old, she was at the coffee table coloring in a coloring book. And I was sitting there. And I was having that experience of Jesus asked me, Virna, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I do. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. And my gaze went over to my daughter, and I felt the Lord tell me, there's something you need to do. And so I called my daughter on my knee to sit on my knee, and I held her so preciously, and she's just looking at me, playing with my hair. And um, I said, baby girl, you having a nice Sabbath? She goes, yeah, mama. I like my Jesus coloring books. And, um, and I said, sweetheart, I know you probably don't, won't understand this, but I need to apologize to you about something. And I'm probably going to have to apologize to you sometime again when you get older. And I said to her, I said, sweetheart, I'm really sorry that you don't have a dad. And it's a reminder to me, every Father's Day, she has no one to give a Happy Father's Day card to. And I apologized to her. She said, with the biggest smile on her face, Mind you, before this time, I had started taking my daughter with me to church every Sabbath. And, um, and during that time, my custody with her was every week. I would get her every other week. And so every other Sabbath, she was with me at church. And she smiled so big, and she said, Mama, don't cry, Mama. I'm okay, because I know Jesus is my dad. I held her for the longest time and her poor little hands rubbing my back, comforting me. My daughter comforting me. I know God has a special plan for her. And she loves the Lord. I took her to camp meeting one summer and she came so excitedly to me. She was nine. And uh, she told me, Mama, guess what? I said, what, sweetheart? I'm going to get baptized. She had been going to the early teen tent, the junior tent, some tent for the kids. <laughs> and <laughs> this was at Central California Conference camp meeting. It was huge. It was a new experience for her. She made new friends. 
Uh, she didn't even want me to be in the tent. <laughs> she didn't want me to drop her off. I'm like, you're only nine. You're not 14 yet. What's... Um, but when she told me that, my heart fell out, and I practically fell flat on my bottom because the first thing that entered my mind was, what would your other mom say? Well, God has worked it out in a way that my daughter did not get baptized that year, um, and we're waiting on the Lord. My daughter is learning to wait on the Lord at such a young age, and she's learning the work of faith in her own life, and I have to let that happen. But anyway, back to the job. <laughs> Has anyone heard of Uber? Yep, and I'm, I'm an Uber driver <laughs> in San Francisco. <laughs> That's my job. So if anybody ever calls me and thinks that I'm driving, it's because I am. <laughs> and it's funny, because my first day on the job last summer, or actually last February, February 2014, I had started driving uh, for Uber and Lyft, Lyft is the pink mustache thing. I dreaded putting that thing on my car every day. It's this huge, pink, furry mustache on the grill of my car. Um, and I first started with Lyft, and I, I put that thing on. I said, Lord, my unemployment benefits have run out. I know you're going to take care of me. I'm putting this pink mustache on my car and I'm heading to San Francisco because it's the most lucrative place to make money. And so I get over to San Francisco and I'm driving around. I haven't gotten a passenger yet and it's my first time. And the thing pings, right? My phone, it uses your cell phone and, and it pinged and it, I get this ride request. I'm like, oh Lord, okay, this is gonna be neat. Please help me. And I started praying and I was like, Help me not to get into any accidents and all of that. And so I arrive at this house, and two women crawl into the back of the back seat. They're holding hands. And I kind of look up briefly, and I said, Lord, really? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Seriously? So they start talking and telling me stories. So is this your first time? I'm like, yep, and you're my first passengers. <laughs> God does have a sense of humor. But on, on a serious note, that did tell me something, that God did want me back in San Francisco and that my job has become a ministry in of itself. One time I picked up this guy and his friend and they seemed kind of intoxicated. I'm like, oh Lord, give me patience. And um, I, I, I play instrumental music in my car and I pray every time, Lord, please help them not to change the music. Cause... And so these guys come in and they just basically take ownership of the radio. I'm like, Lord, help me die to self. 
And so he starts playing his iPod. He connected it to the auxiliary, and it's head-banging music. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to drive, and I'm praying in my head. I said, Lord, let me love these two guys. And they're intoxicated, and of course, you know, their language and, the, and what they were saying and, and sharing with me and, and stuff like that. And I said, Lord, please intervene. I don't know what to do here. These two poor guys are not sober. Even if I say anything, they're probably not going to remember. So all of a sudden, this guy who sat in the front seat with me starts telling me how he lost his computer in one state and was found in another state. And someone had called him like four months later. I think I have your computer. And so he's telling me the story. And I got so excited from his story that I turned down the volume on the radio. And I was like, dude. And I slapped him on the, on the thing. I got so excited. Like, God is taking care of you. And he's like, and he looks at me. And I thought I was going to get punched out, right? But... <laughs> And he looks over at me, and he's like, you think? I'm like, how do you lose your computer in one state, and someone finds it in another, and someone calls you four months later? That's a God thing, bro, I said. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, wow. And by that time, God is so good, I got to their destination before I had ended that sentence. And, and he's on his way out of the car, and I wanted so much just to grab him and keep him in the car, right? And, uh, and all that came out of my mouth was, dude, don't forget God. He's taking care of you. And all of a sudden, I just saw this soberness just come over his face. And his, his friend was like, was kind of listening. And, and he bowed down and looked at me as he was exiting the car. And he says, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. And you know, brothers and sisters, we can't underestimate the, even the most minute interaction with others. The smallest things that we can say out of just mere love and kindness to someone is a huge seed that later on the Holy Spirit will nurture. Amen? Amen? God is so good. And so my job has become a little ministry in of itself. And I said, I've been praying to the Lord. I said, Lord, specifically, what, what else is there? What, I feel there's something. And so Central California Conference has started this project with... Uh, partnering with Life Hope Centers in building up little ministries throughout the city. And from that, I could tell you, brothers and sisters, God has developed open arms. We are providing free HIV and AIDS testing to the city of San Francisco. And it, it helps me understand more of what God wants us to do in, in acts of service. Because Sister White says, the long lost prodigals will make their way back. 
out of the loving service of God's children. And I hold that quote deep in my heart every day. And it reminds me how, because of just serving others, how many will be brought back to God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, that's enough storytelling. Will you please bow your heads with me for a word of prayer? Dear Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you so much. Such a glorious morning. Such a glorious day, Lord. A new week has begun. I already look forward to the Sabbath. Father, right here and right now, remove all distraction from this place, Lord. Help us, Lord, to have clear minds and a willing and accepting heart for your word today. Make us pliable in your hands, dear Father. And I pray, dear Lord, that you keep me hid once again behind the cross. For I'm only human, but you've made me and called me to be an instrument today. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Victory in Jesus. Today I'd like to talk to you about temptation. Yeah, did something happen? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) oh no. Am I supposed to be finished? Where's my timekeeper? Okay. Oh, praise the Lord. That's good. Did you have something, Doug? Oh, oh no. Um. We've just begun, brothers and sisters. I wish I could keep you here all day. That would be easy. Today, victory in Jesus. I'd like to talk to you about temptation. And I'll begin with a little story. I went to my very first ASI, and it was in Sacramento. And I had an agenda. I didn't register. I didn't buy any meals. I just went there to network. I wanted to meet all the ministries and make connection. And I heard um, Ted Wilson was going to be there, the president of our worldwide church. And I had a certain agenda. I prayed, Lord, put me in front of this man so that he can hear what you have done and what you can do. That was my prayer. So I go to ASI, and it's so exciting, my first time seeing all these booths and all these ministries, and, and I caught wind of, uh, I caught eye of uh, Ted Wilson, And I kept my eye on him. And um, I said, oh, Lord, bring him closer. Bring him closer. Because I don't want 
me to do this. I want you to do this. So you bring him to me. And that was my prayer. And so, of course, I didn't purchase anything. I couldn't go to any of the breakout sessions. I just wandered throughout the booth area. And when it came, out, came time for the breakout sessions, I just hung out. And I got pretty hungry, and it was Sabbath. And I had approached the, the registration desk to see if there's any way I could just, I was just wondering how much a meal cost. And when they told me, I was like, oh, wow. And the lady turns around and she goes, you know what, I have this extra ticket, no one's gonna use it, here you go. I'm like, oh wow, thank you, Lord. So I go, I get to go to lunch. And while I'm in line, I see Ted Wilson, and so I'm getting my food and I got my eye on Ted Wilson. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Lord. And I find this table and I didn't even look at the people that were sitting and I sit down, I could see where he's, get, he's getting his food. And, I'm eating, and I'm saying hi to everyone, and I'm keeping my eye on Ted Wilson. <laughs> and, um, and the table starts kind of dispersing, and, and this lady sits right next to me. And she goes, so how are you? I said, oh, hi, sister. I said, I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. She goes, so, you know, I was wondering... How long has it been since you've been, oh yeah, what do you call yourself now? And I looked at her and I said, hmm, good question. I said, uh, redeemed? <laughs> she goes, oh, redeemed, that's a good word. And she goes, so how long have you been redeemed? Pause. Have you ever been asked a question regarding time, and then you suddenly feel that no matter what you answer will not be long enough? Play. <laughs> so I'm thinking, and I suddenly feel this pressure Lord, I don't want to lie, but I feel like what I'm about to tell her is not going to be long enough. So I look at her and I said, oh, about two years now. She goes, oh, two years. Oh, you'll be all right for a while. And I almost got whiplash. <laughs> and I turned to her and I said, oh, why, sister? And she goes, well, usually the case, right? You folks are usually okay for the first few years, but eventually you fall right back into it. I suddenly felt the angels just hold me down. <laughs> Not kidding. Did you even have to pray for it? Angels just took over. And something came over me. And I held her hand. And I said, Sister, I pray every day that I don't. Amen. Every day that I don't. And you know, God has bigger fish to fry Amen. in here. Amen. 
You see, I could fall back into my lying. Mm, all right. I could fall back into my codependent behavior. I could fall back into overeating. I could fall back into listening to worldly music. I could fall back into anything. But with that, God has given me victory over that. And she turned red, and I suddenly had compassion for her, though the flesh thought differently. (laughs) But that affected me the rest of the day. I lost sight of Ted Wilson. My mom got to stand in front of Ted Wilson. Said, what did you tell him? I was showing him my t-shirt. My mom, God bless her soul. Yeah. But I got discouraged after that. The enemy attacked. And he attacked hard. And I went to go move my car, and I almost wanted to leave. And if I had left, I tell you, brothers and sisters, I would not have made the connections, the networking with brothers and sisters that, that the Lord had used to help share my story. So I went to go move my car, and I parked my car, and I'm on my way out of the car, and I'm crossing the street, and there's this African-American gentleman across the street jumping for dear life. There she is! There she is. And I'm like, (laughs) who, me? Yeah, you, you. And he's running towards me so flamboyantly. (laughs) He's running towards me, and I'm just like, Lord, do I run? Where do I hide? What do I do? And he goes, girl, comes up to me. You know, God keeps our personalities, you know what I mean? It's a personality thing. He comes up to me and goes, Sister, when I heard your story, I said, where'd you hear my story? Because at Sacramento Central, I was sitting right up front. I was the one saying, Amen. <laughs> really loud. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry, brother. I, I vaguely remember. Yeah, okay. He's like, when I heard your story, girl, it just affirmed what God did for me. You're looking at one redeemed, HIV-positive gay man. I'm no longer gay. God has a sense of humor. But seriously, God is a God of miracles. God is a God of second chances. And when we're struggling with temptation, brothers and sisters, we have to submit. And that submission isn't easy because our flesh just wars inside us. Amen? Amen. This man told me his story. And I believe God put him in front of me to bring me back up again because I was so discouraged after that conversation. And to hear that someone was so affected and so encouraged by the story I told, 
that day at Sacramento Central was such an encouragement. It was literally God telling me, my child, I have work for you to do. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on the work. And when we talk about temptation, brothers and sisters, we often identify with what makes us feel a certain way. Temptation. What is it, really? How do we gain victory over temptation? Well, we have to understand the works of temptation. What You know, a lot of people... I've heard many people say, and including myself, I've, I used to say this, oh, I'm being tempted. That devil, Satan, is a roaring lion. And it's true. He's a roaring lion out to destroy, devour, and kill us. And we blame Satan for the temptation. And to some degree, and at some point, that is somewhat accurate. But if you could turn to, in the word, with me, to James, chapter 1, verse 13. James, chapter 1, Verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Have you heard this before? Someone say, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? And it's in our human nature to point back to God. Adam and Eve did it. Right? Well, Lord, the woman that you gave me (laughs) tempted me to eat this apple or this fruit from this tree. And what what did Eve say? Lord, the serpent that you put in the garden... So let's be clear. Temptation does not come from God. Verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. His own lust. In other versions, it says own desires. Verse 15, then when lust hath conceived... It bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So sin equates death. Right? But did we catch something here? Where does temptation come from? From our own desires. From our own lusts of the flesh. Do not err, my beloved brethren, 
Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Temptation. I get that asked of me a lot regarding same-sex attraction and homosexuality. One time I was at a TV studio, won't say which one it was, um, and they asked me, so how are you doing? I'm pretty good. And they're like, so are you still tempted? Do you find yourself slapping your hand? I've been asked these questions. And I'm like, no, not at all. Really? Because we're always tempted. I said, yeah, I guess. But my, but hold on a minute, brother. I said, um, in James, it says that temptation comes from our own lust and when we're enticed. So the enticement comes from the devil, yeah, but it originates from our lust because the devil won't tempt us if it's not one of our vulnerabilities. So I said, but if God has changed your desires, what happens to the temptation? And he said, oh, good answer. So you're not tempted. I said, yeah, and actually, God has renewed my desires. I do pray for a husband. The Lord gave me and my sister a really cute experience. We were traveling down south on a whim, ended up in San Diego. Lenny Hall is here. We met Lenny Hall at Claremont Church. Um, when we went down south from San Francisco and ended up in San Diego, really on a whim. We had no clothes with us, no nothing. It was just one day me and my sister were hanging out, and I said, hey, you want to go to Santa Cruz? She goes, yeah, sure. And then Santa Cruz led to Monterey Bay, and we went to Monterey. I said, hey, Monterey, you want to go down south more? I'm like, okay, might as well go to San Diego. We had no clothes with us. We went to Walgreens, got our essentials. <laughs> Why was I telling that part? Um, cute experience. So we're going down south. Thank you very much. We're going down south, and we ended up, we ended up uh, at this Trader Joe's. And my sister had to go relieve herself in the restroom, and... I was standing at the cashier, and there was this young, good-looking gentleman at the cashier register, and um, he was checking our items, and he had a pleasant smile, and he was charming, and I was conversing with him, and it was pleasant. And I walk away, and my sister catches up with me, and she's like, I saw that. <laughs> I'm like, what? He was a nice guy. Very charming. 
She goes, yeah, right. I said, no, seriously, he was. And she says, well, you know what I noticed, sis? She said to me, I noticed that the men that have been catching your eye lately, which I wasn't really aware of, but she was watching me, so they kind of all kind of look alike. <laughs> they kind of have like the same features. And I stopped and I said, oh, wow, Lord, really loud in the parking lot. And my sister's like, what's wrong? She turns around and I said, God is showing me that I have a type. <laughs> and I didn't know. So I have to tame that down too. So <laughs> God is good, amen? So let not temptation fool you. And it causes undue struggle. Struggle that you don't need to have, but may be necessary. Struggle is necessary in the Christian walk. Struggle shows life. Struggle shows faith. Struggle is your faith, knowing what's right and what's good. Your spirit knows, and your spirit's going to struggle with your flesh because your flesh has to die. Temptation is merely a reflection of something that needs to die. Temptation is merely a reflection of something in you that needs to die. And God wants to give you a new heart, new desires. And sometimes we're addicted to temptation because we're addicted to the pity that we get from struggling. We're addicted to the tears and the emotionalism that comes with it. God wants to bring us full circle, brothers and sisters. You see how I shared with you how God brought me back to San Francisco? That wasn't only to do his work. That was to bring me full circle and in front of the people that I had wrongfully influenced throughout my 20 years. That was the work that God has called me to do. He wants to repair. He wants to reconnect. He wants to reconcile any kind of brokenness within you and that may have been caused by your sin. He wants to repair your relationships. Amen? But if we keep on giving temptation the power and use it as the excuse, then what is God? What is the purpose of our faith in God and not in ourselves? If there is anything I'd like you to walk away with today is to realize 
that temptation is only a reflection of something that needs to die. And brothers and sisters, I tell you, just because God has redeemed me completely and entirely from homosexuality and same-sex attraction does not mean he's done with me. There are other things that need to die within me. I'm human, just like you. There are other things that need to die in you. God is faithful. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. He will complete the work in you until the day of Jesus Christ. And we forget that word, until. God will complete the work in you until the day of Jesus Christ. What does that until mean? It's a process, brothers and sisters. It's a dying process day to day, until Jesus comes. He will complete the work in you. He will do it. We're told to submit, to resist the devil, resist the flesh. It will take some effort on our part. We need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. But don't put the cart before the horse, brothers and sisters. It is because God loved us first. For God is love. And he loved us first. That's why we love him. Let us bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for revealing in each of us what needs to die. May each of my brothers and sisters walk away from this tent at this moment, giving it all to you. Make them willing to be willing to see what you're trying to show them, Lord, and myself. May we allow self to die in your hands today and every day. Thank you, dear Lord, for this mighty blessing. Thank you, Lord, for loving us first. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.